Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. Strange case. No sign of violence, yet she looks completely contorted in fear. Almost as if she'd been frightened to death. As if she'd seen something too horrible to live through. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 208, Mario Bava's anthology, Black Sabbath. Mario Bava's masterful anthology, Black Sabbath. Yeah, and a much better Italian title as well, I Tre Volti della Paura, which makes a lot more sense too, because there's three vignettes in this anthology, Black Sabbath. Well, what is was, the direct translation of that? Uh, the three faces of of evil okay uh, i okay. think if i'm but, not mistaken yeah okay well you're sorry go ahead you're yeah, saying oh just yeah they they I, they changed the title to something just to capitalize on black, black sunday, sunday but it had nothing to mm-hmm. do with really black sabbath it just it sounds super cool but if not for them changing the title to black sabbath then the band that brought us such classics as paranoid and war pigs and, and fairies wear boots and so yeah. on would be called earth. the wizard oh i love sabbath it would be called earth that was their original yeah. name <laughs> and how they First of all, Ozzy's a huge horror fan, right? Mm-hmm. And Earth, this would be the early incarnation of Sabbath, were playing a gig in England, in London, I believe, and across the street was a cinema playing this film. And they noticed that there were more people in line to see the movie than they were queuing up to see their gig. Curious, they went and saw the movie. They loved it. Hence, Black Sabbath. The band. We're not gonna. Uh, I would be remiss before we get too deep into this movie as to ask you what your favorite Black Sabbath song is. Oh Lord, jeez. For me, it's "Fairies Wear Boots." Oh, the, the drums. That is it's really relentless. amazing. I, I like the harmonica and the wizard. I, I don't uh, like the wizard. That that to me is atypical. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't uh, sound like a Sabbath song. All right, NIB. Like that. It sounds like a saw. Like Tony Iommi. His, his, his guitar sound, it is something to behold. Yeah. Geezer Butler, like the rest of these jets. The Ward, they're all... Yeah, they're, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't like Fairies Wear Boots? That's amazing too. Jeez. Okay. I, 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 I regret that I never got a chance to see them live. And given how infrequent Aussie tours these days, <laughs> you know, I, I doubt I'll ever get a chance to. Well, but... you may, it makes me laugh though, because in, I remember in 93... Um, a bunch of our friends, I didn't join them, went to go see Ozzy on his No More Tours tour. <laughs> no yeah, well, that's tours. a great song. Yeah, but yeah. Um, he's toured many times since, subsequently, and he's also got toured a few t- more times with Sabbath. I've actually never seen Ozzy live. I've never seen Sabbath live, and you're right. I, I kind of regret not seeing it. Yeah, likewise. But once again, I digress. Let's talk about this masterpiece of a film. And I'm just going to go back and mention to you that when I got into horror... And you guys, you know, we have, I've mentioned this over and over again. I got into horror later on than most. I got right down and dirty and started doing my research. And those three names, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and Mario Bava, 
were the ones that I kept coming across. And I wasted no time. And at the time I was living in the suburbs, I wasted no time in heading downtown and renting these movies. And this movie and Black Sunday as well and a lot of other films, they just floored me. I mean, this man, Mario Bava, is a maestro with the camera, with his colors, with the composition, with the lighting. Forget about the fact that you have three extremely strong horror stories, but this is just a gorgeous film. You can pause this movie at any frame, and it looks like a painting. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, he's like the Caravaggio of directors, and I guess he... Well, I would say Lucio Fulci is more of like the Caravaggio, and the fact that he... I think think this... Because he spills blood, like... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, but in terms (laughs) of, like, the shadow and the flickering... Uh, you know, uh, you know, foreground, background, gestalt kind of thing he has. We were going. talking about Boston in the last podcast, and did you just say foreplay? Foreplay, long time? No, no, no. Okay, <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> foreground, background, like the, his stuff is always so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the Planet of the Vampires, like these gorgeous, primary colors, beautiful purples and blues and pinks. Everything just comes to the the fore, foreground, and much like Black Sabbath is way ahead of its time in an era of like hippie music and jam bands and black sabbath came and blew that all away with just sinister dark riffs Mm -hmm. like mario bava came around at a time and just you know just took a gothic horror and just imbued it with so much beauty and and pathos and and just i I don't even know well it's interesting because you know i even like revisiting this movie okay so let's just get out of the way right now I have this on Blu-ray, so I watched the Italian version. Yeah, and so yin to your yang, I watched the English version because I didn't have access to that. So the, I guess, what, AIP version? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, so the, the ordering is going to be different for the three installments mm-hmm. of, of, the, of the anthology. But right. the Italian one has, yeah, a crescendo, proper crescendo, ending on the best episode. The best and, segment of the three. Although they're all strong. They're, they're all, all strong, strong. Whereas the English one reversed that and and sort of took a little dip in the middle to get a little weaker and then finished mm-hmm. strong again. So, But what's interesting, too, is that when we settled on... Oh, yeah. Sorry. Before we talked about that, you were talking about this film being ahead of its time. I don't, just before we started recording, I asked you, I said, what year was this film made? And you said 63, 64. I'm like, no, it had to have been late 60s because it, it just didn't seem like 63 was the year Psycho came out and things were just yes. sort of still very genteel. And this movie, despite it's not a go for the gusto gore fest, but it's pretty, pretty there, out there in terms of what was, you know, they were showing at the time. And the ultimate chapter in my version the, uh, the Sound of Water. I was going to say The Shape of Water. That's uh, the Del Toro film. That's oh, yeah, uh, yeah. kind of mediocre. But anyway, uh, is is just is, is horrific. It's, oh, God. That, that face haunts me to this day. <laughs> but... Um, hey, well, do you want to start with The Drop of Water? Or, or like, in what order do we want to uh, discuss our, you know, Black Sabbath Molto Mario podcast? Well, before we get into that, what I was also going to say is that when we did settle on this movie... And you mentioned via text that this would be the first film that we've discussed on the show with Boris Karloff. And I was absolutely aghast <laughs> at such an oversight because, as you know... I well, mean, your I, love of Bride of Frankenstein and uh, what... Oh, and Frank, yeah, so, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Karloff fanatic. I love the man. And the fact that we have yet to, to talk about a Boris Karloff film... I mean, forget about Frankenstein, but I mean, any of the AIP films he did... Mm-hmm. Fuck, we could even talk about Targets, the last film he did, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. That's an incredible Ooh. movie. But 
we got this one and that's fine i mean this is an anthology with a bit of a it's not really a wraparound no it's just sort of like karloff almost being our genial host <laughs> introducing us now i know in the american version there was more karloff i think interspersed in between the segments yeah whereas in the italian it's just karloff at the beginning karloff at the end and of course karloff in one of the segments the, the is it the wordalak or the verdalak how are you gonna how are we pronouncing it uh, well i'm gonna give it the the hard uh, like volkswagen v and call it uh the the verdalak mm -hmm. So, we in the terms of discussing it, uh, discussing the segments, I think we should go. Uh, we should do go as purists and do the Italian version. Okay. So it starts off with the telephone. Yes, and this is basically. Uh, this is weird because I, I didn't really realize at the time, but I read subsequently that this was a lady of the evening it's not really it's sort of ambiguous it might have been maybe to audiences at the time more obvious in the american version they excised references yes. to her being a lady of the evening as well as uh, references to any sort of lesbianism whereas mm -hmm. in, the, in the italian version it's much more overt so yeah, it depends there, on what version you still a hint of homoeroticism there and so this is michelle mercier who was in like shoot the piano player or some Truffaut movie like she's gorgeous gorgeous she's got she strips down to her corset and i'm like whoa this is just so great she goes back to her uh, i guess modest um living uh, accommodations you say modest but it was very well appointed <laughs> yeah, i mean it was a it was, it was a below ground well flat. furnished yeah. uh, like your place uh and uh, oh, i'm looking at it as a fucking mess right now and, and clutter all over the place and dust balls exactly. but hey whatever you know and and uh, <laughs> she starts getting these menacing phone calls and this is uh, Rosie and she she gets these calls saying like oh I like you know uh, he doesn't say he, he likes what she's wearing but why are you wearing this I think she's wearing a towel or some sort of thing and he goes your beautiful body and mm -hmm. this kind of thing and the camera pans down to expose her milky white thighs Michelle Mercier Chris. my gosh she's gorgeous yeah, simmer down to, simmer I'm down man this down. is yeah. you know you're, my, to... you're in my house right now yeah, I don't know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but this was just well, this is great. It, you know, we don't want to spoil too much, but she, I mean, she's getting threatening phone calls, and the person that's calling her, and it, one thing that's amazing, I mean, yes, it's called the telephone, and you just have this incessant ringing, and every time the phone rings, the fear factor gets ratcheted up a bit more, and then as I watched it on this viewing, I don't know, this could be the fifth or sixth or seventh time I've seen it, I thought to myself, you know, in a lot of ways, like, I think many, this begat Scream. Like the whole opening thing oh, with yeah. Drew Barrymore. Well, what's and your favorite horror film? And, 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 that but kind just of the thing. fact that the killer is watching you as they're speaking yeah. to you and so on. The telephone, in many ways, influenced that that uh, virtuosic opening scene in Scream. And if you listen to Scream podcast, we love the opening. We don't really love the rest of the movie as well, much. Yeah, well, it's interesting you should say that too because it's so personalized when someone says something to you in a way that we can get disconnected through so-called social media mm. but the the actual voice referencing something specific i.e what she's wearing it's so much more evocative and horrific than let's say seeing a stranger at a distance who's creepy in, mm -hmm. a, in an urban streetscape well this let's is put someone it this way who is clearly watching right. her somehow mm -hmm. and references it's midnight somebody's <laughs> watching you i have to sing i gotta oh sing man better at uh singer here so yeah that, that stuff's just great like no. the menacing phone call is but, just fantastic but there's also the fact that your home is your sanctuary when you come home after a day of work 
You shut it's out the world. Work. Yeah, yeah. You lock the door, and that is your time to rest, relax, and be safe and be private. And when you're receiving these phone calls that are threatening, that are menacing, and you know that whoever is making these calls can see you. You don't know where they are, but they can see you. That's pretty fucking scary. For sure. Now, what's interesting about this segment is that in many ways, it's credited as being the fir- one of the very first filmed giallos because this is a bit of a giallo yeah i guess well without the you know the kind of hallmarks that later became associated with it but it's got that for sure it's you know uh, someone getting stalked a kind of voyeuristic element to it as well murder mystery mm-hmm. who done it who's who is who's making these phone calls etc etc yeah yeah well and and then i guess like how much of this should we really reveal for, not for much, those not we, much. yeah okay i don't want to spoil um I guess we can we can say that uh, she's traumatized enough that she calls a friend of hers, and I guess maybe we'll leave it at that, uh, and because it was friend really slash backstory backstory yeah. there, there's something uh, yeah. between the two and between well we mentioned lesbianism and how that was excised exactly. from the American version so it's a female friend but mm-hmm. you know uh, there could have been some benefits involved and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know indeed, you know indeed and or as Monty Burns would say. A beneficial friendship. I've just embarked on a beneficial friendship. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So yeah, and and uh, pundits online have dismissed pundits online. You always bring up the pundits online. Well, they've they've dismissed this as the lesser, the least of the three segments. Mm-hmm. And a, upon a second viewing, I thought it it had a lot more to commend it than people gave it credit for. So. Uh, well, yes, it is the le- lesser of the three. It's still like a bona fide, maybe a B plus in its own right. Mm-hmm. The fact that the rest of them, or, or specifically Drop of Water, is s- so much more superior just because it's it's an indelible piece of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But that is the coda of Black Sabbath. The next segment would be The Verdelac, and that features an aged Boris Karloff. Doesn't uh, matter. Still it, vital. Still, still spry. Is still it William Pratt. I don't know his, his name before he changed it. I found out that he got his start in small productions in Canada, of all things, mm. which is really cool. So he is so this, the patriarch of some, some family in probably Eastern Europe somewhere. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think Ukraine. Gorka. Gorka. And, and, <laughs> it's and almost this, like Kavorka from Seinfeld. This is this is like a, this is somewhat of a, a, a rendition of a vampire. It's not a straight ahead vampire story, but it's got vampiric elements, mm-hmm. right? And very very entertaining, very successful, extremely well shot. Oh yeah, beautiful. Certain though some of those close ups of Boris Karloff with that primary color lighting, indelible, just in, indelible yeah, stuff. And, and stunning. Uh, well, uh, almost a trademark of Bava, the 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 dry ice, the kind of the yeah the shadows, yeah, the shadows at shadows night, and just yep. shadows and fog, and mm-hmm. this is based on well, not the you know the most famous member of the Tolstoy family, Leo. This is uh, a distant relation, Alexei Tolstoy's short story. Not for, uh, not uh, Herbert Tolstoy. Herbert Tolstoy. <laughs> no? Okay, now you're oh, okay. pulling my leg. I am pulling it. <laughs> Damien Tolstoy. Yeah. No, Bubba Tolstoy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, it's just a, a guy who finds a dagger, and this is just great. Uh, a nobleman, 18th century nobleman, riding along. Count Vladimir de Orfei. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he, he finds this a body by the river, and it was on horseback. Why do you keep doing this to me, Chris? You keep queuing me up to sing. Oh, you're going to sing The River by Springsteen? No, I was going to do a little Neil Young. Oh, okay. Down yeah. by the river. 
found, I found that my body, body. Yeah, I found a body with a dagger in its back. Jeez. Uh, so that's where Ralph are you going to spring Springsteen on me now too? No, but I'm going to go. I'm going to New York at the end of this month to see Springsteen on Broadway, and oh I'm, my I'm God, amazing. chomping at the bit. But anyway, forget about it. Yeah, so he finds this dagger, he takes it with him, and then finds this homestead, and he's not exactly given a welcome in there. Mm-hmm. He's he's sort of wandering around, and then the the son of Gorka uh, happens upon him and says, "Hey, hey, that that dagger." belongs to my father and these two have this meeting and we get a little bit of a backstory about what's going on in the village in the village yeah yeah uh, not to be confused with the terrible terrible m night Shyamalan movie of the same name there is a turkish bandit apparently who is a cutthroat and a brigand who's killing people in this village but that's neither here nor there it's yeah. sort of all about the family well so we have this family, and yes, you said they didn't give him a warm welcome. They also don't seem like they're the most um, at ease people in the world. And there's <laughs> reason for that, because the, the patriarch of the family, Gorka, has gone away. And he has a very specific mission in mind. And he said that he, if he is not to return by the stroke of midnight on that very same night, don't let him in. And there's a reason for that. Because he's actually going out vampire hunting. Yeah. And if he doesn't return by the stroke of midnight... Chances are he's a vampire. Well, he does return just after the stroke of midnight. Uh-huh, yes. Maybe a minute or two. And they let him in. And, you know, we, we're we going to tease a little bit of that here, too. Because to disclose more would probably do it a disservice, too. Suffice it to say, there's lots of stuff a-brewing in this village. There's... Well, we can't really say the village because, in, in a lot of ways, this is very much it's like more a, of a barn. <laughs> well, no, it's like it's a chamber piece in a sense. Yeah. Like, as we we just, you know, there's, there's not a whole heck of a. Am I mistaken? Did did uh, the count go to an inn before he went to the house, or think of another movie altogether? I don't believe he did. Uh, I'm not sure. No, I but... don't think so. It's really just the denizens of the people in this uh, Eastern European homestead. It's like a one act play almost. Oh, in yeah. fact, when you really consider it, each. And every segment in this movie is pretty much a one-act play. They're all mm-hmm. more or less single sets, except for The Shape of Water. Well, yeah, yeah and, and Karloff even says, claims, although this is not true, that one of the vignettes is based on a Chekhov, like, uh, you know, story, which it's not, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it has these little, this very stage-like quality. And for a film But that that, that's filmed, wonderfully, it, it wonderfully, is wonderfully referenced. Executed. No, I was going to say it was wonderfully and very cheekily referenced in the code of the movie. Which yes. some might say undermines, takes you, undermines yeah, the horror yeah, that came. Say, yeah. But it's just a, a little bit of fun, especially in the early 60s after what they just witnessed, especially if, they, if it concluded with The Shape of Water. They yeah, needed exactly. a, little a little bit of levity to get back out in the world and go, okay, I, I'm... And, and for a film that's supposed to be set in Eastern Europe, and this was, set, this was filmed in Italy. A but segment, you, but, not a film. Yeah. yeah, but you, you never get the sense that you're not transported to some completely otherworldly place. I never, well, see, that, that, I was never taken out of it going, oh yeah, that's Italy. I was in another world, but just see, like Planet of the Vampires. That's the thing about Baba. I mean, in many ways, he was a soundstage director, right? Most of his lauded films, if not all his most lauded films, were filmed on sound stages. They were not filmed on location. They did mm-hmm. not have naturalistic outdoor locations and so on. But it's a credit to Baba as a composer of images and composition that even though it's patently a soundstage same with Planet of the Vampires it doesn't you can't take you, tell. you it doesn't take you out even if you can tell he's such a maestro in every facet of filmmaking that you are invested in the story 
You are in it. Yes, maybe in Planet of the Vampires when they're exploring Mars, you can tell that this is a soundstage. <laughs> it doesn't matter because you're looking at these incredible images. You're looking at these incredible palettes of color. This great characters, great story. You're invested. So with the Vertilac, we have this vampire tale. I guess the question is, is Karloff, has he turned or hasn't he? Mm -hmm. Should we trust him? Should we not? We'll leave it at that. We're not going to spoil it too much more. Yeah, and, and then to close, at least the Italian version, this, I think, just indelible, incredible uh, 15 to 20 minutes of sheer, just virtuosic horror. Yeah. I mean, and horror means many things to many people, but this was like a, a just a master class in how to uh, engage all the senses. There's touch, there's sight, there's sound. Okay, maybe not taste, but no. it doesn't matter. <laughs> unless you're licking, unless you're licking your TV yeah, screen yeah, or something. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but but this is the the story. This is the drop of water. A story of a nurse who's called to help prepare a body for for burial. And this is the body of an elderly uh, deceased. Mm -hmm. And she goes in there to this stately mansion and. She sees that the the deceased has this valuable jewelry. Mm. And but forget she, about that. Just when she sees the deceased, I mean that. And again, it it doesn't look naturalistic. It looks like a porcelain face, right? It it has a little bit of Linda Blair. Am I wrong? Like it has yeah, a, a little, little bit. bit of Exorcist to it. But it's horrific. It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. That look on that face. Yeah. There are certain images in horror that are indelible. That will haunt you for the rest of your life. You know, I and I can't really think so much right now. Okay, but I mean, one that strengths of mine is maybe leather, well, full, the maggots for in Fulci. I was gonna like, say Leatherface hoisting the the chainsaw above his yes, head at the end yeah. of it. But that that image of that woman and that face and that expression, with that alabaster skin, that white hair, that look of pure, that that death mask on her. It, yeah, it was, well. Oh, well, well, Nurse Helen does close her eyes because that is like a really, I mean, horrific, suspenseful scene. And mm -hmm. he, and she's going about her business trying to, you know, prepare yeah, his body. And, and yeah. you mentioned a, a piece of jewelry, which obviously she won't need in the afterlife if there is such a thing. And <laughs> yeah, so she decides to take it to her peril mm -hmm. because this is the kind this is the thing that I guess she's plagued from. Well, from beyond. Uh, I'm going to quote two of our favorites there. The Beyond, w you know, which has a wonderful, the wonderful Fulci film with the medium. Uh, and this one, uh, just, yeah, the, the spirit of the deceased is plaguing this nurse. Mm -hmm. And this is just terrific because and she she puts on the ring. and. Mm -hmm. But there's something in this movie that's, I mean, there's so much, there's so many in amazing elements in this particular segment. Um the use of the fly is really unnerving and really amazing because flies represent so much, right? Yeah. They represent filth. They represent decay. They represent, to a lot of people, repulsion because a lot of people mm -hmm. are repulsed by flies. And when she takes off that ring, a fly lands on that yeah. finger yeah. Where, the where, where the ring used to be. And then that motif of the fly buzzing is repeated again and again and again. So there's that. That's one of the oral elements. The other one is... The sound of it dripping. Yeah, I guess as as she rests the ring off the deceased's finger, she knocks over a glass. Mm -hmm. And I guess her assistant there says, is there anything wrong? You know, she yells up to her. She says, no, it's all right. I got this. But a glass of water spills. And I think the, the drops fall into uh, some sort of uh, 
cup or plate or something. So that's like that is played for emphasis throughout, ingeniously so, by Molto Mario. And it's just this tum, tum, tum. And that is coupled with this ingenious uh, use of color because there's this uh, oval window in this mansion and there's a lot of flickering light so you get this sort of uh chiaroscuro shadow thing happening where there's some scenes are it's funny whenever somebody says so when they're talking about that art movement um chiaroscuro yeah yeah it makes me hungry for portuguese chicken <laughs> <Curasquera, yeah. laughs> <laughs> yeah indeed but that, that was just masterful what's lit and what isn't mm-hmm. and at, what, at different times so like it's a feast for the senses yes and just incredible Again, we don't want to get too deep into this segment. We don't want to spoil it, but her taking that ring, big mistake. She, big mistake, Something yeah. that's going to haunt her for not very many days, but for the rest of her days. And, and, and will haunt the viewers, because <laughs> it is frightening. All I could say is, the that something, I'm just going to say the rocking chair, and say, oy vey, scary as fuck. Just, yeah, or as amazing. in the parlance of today's youth, scary AF. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Anyway. But really, yeah, one scene after another with just just gorgeous, fulsome colors. Uh, oh, I see. I thought you were gonna you were gonna uh, talk about the actress in the first segment again. The telephone, gorgeous, fulsome. Oh, I was well, waiting as, for you as, to start she was, describing well, her but, voluptuous physique, and I'm like, oh, down boy, Chris, down boy. <laughs> but I, I, was, I was reading just a little bit about uh, about Mario and uh, and how he got his start, and and uh, he's known for these wonderful colors. And I mm. found out he was a cinematographer, research, yeah. the cinematographer that he had a falling out with this guy, Ubaldo Terzano. And so how much of this is Terzano? How much of this is Bava? Bava, like he was so involved with so many films mm-hmm. leading up to this. Hell, he's, he might've directed or been a cinematographer for three Hercules movies. Uh, he also made a great Hercules film, Hercules and the Haunted World. I've not seen that. I'm looking forward to gotta it. Got to see it, my friend. Uh, he gotta got his it. start in some in the propaganda films of, of Benito Mussolini. He worked tirelessly for years and mm-hmm. years and years and years. The thing about his craft. Mario Bava is that whenever he made a film, to a film, he always brought it in before schedule and under budget. Whoa. And he was so resourceful. He was so resourceful with... The tools that he had, he was a lot of most of his effects were done in camera. And people might scoff and they might watch a film, let's say like Black uh, Sunday, which we discussed in the podcast a long time ago. Yes, we I did. have a, a an autographed uh, poster of it, autographed mm-hmm. by the gorgeous Barbara, Barbara Steele, one of my prized possessions. People might watch, go scoff, and that's oh, old fashioned, blah 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 blah. Shut up, okay? This is the bedrock. This is the foundation. This is where horror. This is gothic horror, man. This is. Bava is a maestro. I don't care. I mean, yes, as his career progressed, maybe there were some diminishing returns. I want to suggest when we said, hey, let's do a Bava, that we maybe do Bay of Blood, a.k.a. Twitch of the Death Nerve. Yes. That's going to be a future podcast, mm-hmm. I think. But Bava, just incredible. You know, even his lesser films are some of the best horror films I've ever seen. And he didn't just work primarily in the horror genre. He did the Hercules film. He did a wonderful uh, spy caper, a.k.a. Fumetti adaptation, uh-huh. being the Italian comic book called uh, Danger Diabolique, which was lambasted on Mystery Science Theory 3000. That's one of the reasons why I kind of load that show now, because uh-huh. how dare they lambaste a, a Bava film? He did yeah, ribald sex comedies, what have you. But, I mean, primarily known for the horror genre. But getting back to Black Sabbath, 
I was about to sing a Sabbath song. I'm not going to do it. I, <laughs> yeah. think, I think I've destroyed our listeners' eardrums a little too much in the last couple episodes. Um, so I think we're both in agreement that our favorite segment is the sound of water. Is the drop of water. The yeah. drop of water, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Whereas, again, I was going to say the shape of water. So what did we – is that what you learned just about Bava and his career and his beginnings? Or is there anything else that you learned from this one? Well, I learned that when if you want to compare it to the AIP stuff and the Corman stuff, like infamously Corman would be shooting films simultaneously on a soundstage and be tearing down the set of one film. Like maybe he's working on The Raven, working on some other thing. With or he'd Jack, be recycling the same set yeah, for or a Jack second Nicholson, film. Yeah. Whatever he's working on, like uh, the the mastery that Bava had of his craft. Like you don't get that soundstage kind of feel that you sometimes do with the Corman productions and that's no uh, that's not disparaging you know rc there like no the, the stuff no. especially amazing. because you know what like... hey you got a sound stage there but you got vincent price playing let's say you know uh, usher or what have yeah, you exactly. or you know um the, uh, prospero whatever character was yeah. it, you know was it the master of master of death where you play prospero i don't know whatever it doesn't matter the, it was the actors the raven peter laurie vincent Ooh. price boris karloff what a trio you know? Yeah, well, uh, what I've learned is that it's interesting that I used to be obsessed with the Universal stuff, but unlike you, like you went out and watched all of these. I read about them, and so I, I, I for some reason, knew who, like, Basil Rathbone was, but I had no, I didn't watch any of those movies. So I was mm. like obsessed with Lon Chaney and Lon Chaney Jr. And I was like, as you should be, because they're, they're yeah, incredible. possibly. Yeah. But I was like, mm. you know, the whatever, all these like the Three Stooges meets whoever, and all these like it doesn't matter. Like from the 30s to let's say mid 40s, I was reading about all these monster movies, but I had not seen any of them. Hmm. So it was really weird to see. Boris Karloff in this state now and I'm thinking about all the stuff I missed out on just because of the different paths we took coming to horror I took the, the road less no you took the road less traveled and I took the beaten path of all this just uh, sequel garbage name, uh, me just, two, name me two other actors right now that played Frankenstein in Universal Productions oh besides Boris Karloff uh, Christopher Lee no that was Hammer uh, oh, oh, oh! In 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 Universal, yeah. Karloff played Frankenstein in three films: Frankenstein, Bride, and Son of. After that, you had Bela Lugosi. He actually played Frankenstein in a film or two, and then you have uh, this name is so wonderful, Glenn Strange. Uh huh. And I believe that was Glenn Strange and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, or was it the Wolfman? I don't know. I'm starting to, the wine's going to my head. I just a wee bit. My memory's getting a little faulty, but yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just amazing it took us this long to get to Karloff. Mm. And so that's definitely one thing I learned. Uh, what did you learn? Well, so this goes back again to mm, things that are formative for me. And despite the fact that despite the fact that my stomach couldn't really tolerate watching a horror film until I was in my late teens, early 20s, I really enjoyed, in my early teens, Edgar Allan Poe. And this ties into Roger Corman because he's famous for all his... Um, poet adaptations because i remember in grade 10 so that would have i guess it would have been 15 i had an english teacher and she read to us she actually recited the telltale heart oh beautiful and that's one of my absolute favorite post stories murders of the room org i love but yeah that's and when we talk about our favorite segment which yet again is the drop of water it's in many ways it's reminiscent of the telltale heart you know mm -hmm. because there's a certain sound a motif that just repeats itself, repeats itself, repeats itself, that lends itself to guilt. 
And after a while, that sound becomes maddening and you can't yeah. take it anymore. So I really enjoyed that parallel to what I consider the telltale heart. So that's what I like. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, star rating. Oh. Can, yeah, can, I, can I give this anything less than five stars? Oh, wow. Okay. Honestly. I'm, I'm going to give it four, but I was going to divvy it up according to according to installment, but that's probably unfair. As an overall four, four and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Oh, and let me, before, I want to say one more thing. Another thing that I, see, I wasn't able to, in my in my early to late teens, I, I had a fascination for horror, but I couldn't watch the movies. So I satiated that fascination with a couple of things. Post stories and EC Comics. Tales from the Crypt, mm-hmm. Vault of Horror, etc. I love those EC comics. And in many ways, each one of these segments would have made just a wonderful EC comic tale. And let's say Tales from the Crypt or Vault of Horror, what have you. So, sorry to interrupt you, but oh, no. that's another thing that I forgot to mention that I learned. All so, right, well, so sorry, your, your star rating oh, again? Oh, likewise, uh, four to four and a quarter, uh, however you want to slice it in fractions. Uh, beautiful stuff, and uh, for all the naysayers, the telephone is wonderful. I'm not going to sing uh, the telephone with Gaga and uh, Beyonce, the, uh, the collabo there, a great video, like a kind of a throwback to... Uh, um, 70s grindhouse. Well, it was, it was uh, a know, great, a, great song. It was actually. an homage to Kill Bill, yeah, which yeah. has been a little controversial as of late. Oh my God, yeah. yeah every week is another controversy, you know. It's always something. Yeah. I, I, I saw Uma Thurman in the news today, and I just sort of, I just, I can't. No more controversies. I'm just gonna, yeah. you know, pass we'll just, that over. We'll just stick to Uma, Oprah. Yeah, Oprah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be no controversies. Uh, on our, or maybe there will be. Maybe you'll find our podcast controversial. Check them out. We have new episodes every Friday. And follow us on Twitter, awful underscore movies, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank mm-hmm. you.